Well, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Don't you hate it when conversations start like that? You never know what you're going to get and how much of it you're going to get. Well, it's not for me personally. This goes back to an Old Testament story. Um, This is a story about the 12 um, spies that went into the land that God had promised the Israelites, and they were checking it out to make sure it was all that God had said it was going to be. Now, the backup to the story, to to catch up to where they're at, um, these Israelites had been slaves under Pharaoh for many, many years. And God brought along Moses and and said, we're going to leave. We're going to walk away from this slavery, and we're going to go to a land that God has promised to us. But they had to trust everything that was going along with that. So they get up to this land, and before they conquer it, before they go into the land that God had promised to them, they sent some spies into the land just to check it out, just to see what it was like. Ten of them came back with some bad news, and two of them came back with some good news. So first, the good news (laughs) It was awesome. It was better than they had expected. It was more than what they thought of. It was called the land of milk and honey for a reason, because it was just flowing with these natural resources that was beyond um, their imagination. They said the grapes were so big and the clusters of grapes were so huge that it took two men to carry them and they would put it on a pole and then one would be on one end of the pole and one would be on the other. And that's how they carried the grapes. That's how amazing it was. Here's the bad news. They said the cities were very strong and well defended. And the armies of these cities, they were huge. And the guys were really, really big. They saw descendants of a guy named Enoch. He was a giant during this time period. Said they said he terrorized everyone. One spy even came back and said he felt like a grasshopper next to these men that they were standing next to. So this is what happened. The Israelites then, they began to grumble. And they began to spread rumors around all of the Israelites about how they couldn't do it. And they were so big, and there was no way they were going to, going to occupy this land. If you have your Bibles, Numbers chapter 13 this is where I'm at. I'd love for you to grab a Bible. If you don't have one and you want one that actually has paper in it, there's one on either side of the room you can go get. Um, if you have your phone, get your Bible app open and find Numbers chapter 13. Um, 13 and 14 is kind of where we're camping out a little bit today. Um, this is it, starting verse 30. It says, but Caleb... Um, quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to do it. So he, he was charging them on. Let's go take this land. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we can't do that. We can't fight against these people. They are stronger than we are. And so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. They were grumbling and complaining about what God had brought them to. They said, we would have been better off if we had been slaves. Let's just, let's just stay as slaves. Let's go back there. At least we would have died of old age. You know, we wouldn't have had to fight for anything. Um, it, it would have been better for us. I, they fed us there. I know it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either to be slaves. Um, they wanted to follow some leaders. They said, Let, let's exchange our leaders. Let's follow some leaders that won't take us on a wild goose chase to this property in this land that we'll never be able to get into. Let's let's follow some leaders that will take us back to slavery where we're secure and safe. So Moses and Joshua and Aaron, they tried their best to convince the people that if God had brought them this far and God had promised this land in front of them, that God was going to see them through and they would be successful. 
But they would rather have stoned him and gone back to slavery. I love how Paul connects with this. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, when he's writing to the church in Corinthians, um, the, the Corinth church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this. He says, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. He's writing about these people, saying, come on, we got to remember this story. Don't forget this story. So Crestview, I have some good news for us. God has had his hand on this congregation for many, many years. God has been leading this church for many years, and we have a great opportunity in front of us for relocation and to build something amazing for God. The bad news is, when a church relocates and builds a new building, um, those things aren't cheap, all right? I'm learning this, that we have this great opportunity, but with this great opportunity comes a huge hurdle. There's obstacles in our way, and one of those being raising the capital, the resources that we'll need to build a building. So let's go back and look at some things that we can learn. I think there's principles that we can learn from the Israelites as we step out into this project in front of us. The first one is this, that we need to focus on the vision, not the obstacles. You guys know this in your own life. We can see it um, in the church's life, but we can also go back to the Israelites and see this as well. With victory right across the Jordan River, they could see the land that God had promised to them. It was in their sights, but they could also see the obstacles. And it was understandable that they were nervous and scared about this because the obstacles were pretty big. Those guys were pretty big, and the cities were pretty strong. So if you had been one of the Israelites, what would you have done? What side would you have stood with? Where would you have gone? Now, keep in mind, these people, they didn't know the end of the story like we know the end of the story. Would you have been a little scared? Would you have said, let's go back and be slaves? Or would you have said, let's fight for it. Let's go. God brought us this far. We can do this. These Israelites, they lost sight of their goals. And they lost faith. And they almost lost sight of the blessings or they almost lost the blessings of God. Now, some of you know this story. If you, if you remember your history lessons in school, about 400 years ago, the pilgrims jumped on some boats, right, some ships, and they sailed across this endless sea to discover a new land. We're getting ready to celebrate it. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. But they were so full of hope. They had so much vision that they were willing to set sail without knowing what's out there. When they first landed, they started a town. They pulled together their resources, and they had this little community, a little town. Well, the second year, they elected a town council. Said, we need leaders. Let's pull together some leaders. The third year, they voted, the town council voted to use government funds, resources that they had, to build a road that would lead five miles westward, five miles into the wilderness to keep going. Well, the fourth year, many people were upset, and they tried to impeach the council for poor use of government funds. <laughs> and you catch the irony in this story? Just a few years before that, they were willing to set sail into nothing. And now they've lost their vision, and they're not even willing to go five miles on dry land. It was Helen Keller that was once asked if there's anything worse than being blind, and she said, yeah, being able to see but have no vision. And Walt Disney, many of you know this story. Walt Disney, he didn't live long enough to see the completion of Disney World. 
And at the dedication of Disney World, someone came up to his widow and said, don't you wish Walt could have been here to see this? And she said, oh, he did. He did. It's amazing what you can do when you have vision, but it's also amazing how quickly we can lose our vision. Even for a church. Um, For a church, I love it when you come in here and you leave and you're excited and you're motivated and you have those warm, fuzzy feelings. You know, it it was good worship. It was a challenging message. It was good for us. I needed this. But I gotta tell you, the primary reason we do this is not for you. It's not for those warm, fuzzy feelings, although I'm glad that that happens and we want to encourage you. Our primary focus is for God. He's why we do this. This is why we sing. This is why we study his word. It's to give him the glory, but I also believe it's for those that aren't here yet. We do this for a reason. We do this so that others that have been turned away can come back. We do this to say we're going beyond who we are to reach somebody else in hopes that they will show up and hear about the message that we believe in. And if this is the case, if we're really doing it for that purpose and that's our vision, we don't have enough space. We don't have enough room here. Therefore, we have to keep trusting God. And if you would, just imagine with me for a minute what God has in store for us. I believe in our future we will see thousands come to discover the gospel message of Jesus and who he is in their life. I believe we'll have more space for our children to grow and develop. A place of refuge, a place of second chances and third chances for people in their life, wherever they're at. A place where marriages can be built up and singles can be inspired. Maybe we'll be an inspiration to other churches around. I believe we have an opportunity in front of us to show our faithfulness to God. And if we can come together as a church on this mission that we're on, we have, we have hopes and a, a dream goal of raising a million dollars. I believe if we can do this, we can show how much God means to us. It will give us a chance to show how important the spreading of God's word is to us. And if we don't stand up for it, if we don't make a claim and say, yes, we're moving forward with this, pretty soon our children will notice that we're not willing to take the risk. And maybe someday they'll never stand up for it. And chances are that there will come a day that no one's willing to stand up for the word of God. Our goal is amazing, not just because of a relocation project, but because the implications that we have and what we do are eternal. The vision is so far beyond us, we can't even understand it all or explain it. And when we have the vision and the concept of eternity in mind, no matter what obstacle is in our way, it seems extremely small to the vision that we have. Here's a second lesson I think we can learn from the Israelites, and it's this, that we need to confront our fears, confront our fears and not run from them. Don't run from your fears. Now, I, I don't think that it's wrong for anyone to voice their apprehensions. If you have second guesses, if you have apprehensions about whatever you're doing in life or what we're doing in our life, let, let's talk about it. The Israelites, they did. Here was their concerns. What would happen, if, what would happen to my children if I died in battle? What if the Canaanites have a bigger God than what we have? They would say and spread rumors, I heard about that Moses guy. I don't know him personally, but man, he had a temper when he was younger. I think he even killed a man. 
He really didn't want to lead us, but God forced him into it. So why would we follow a guy like that? And they started to spread rumors among their groups. And their fears caused them to want to back away and run away. So if you have a fear in your life, let's, let's do it. Let's face it together. That's what church is for, for each other. If you have apprehensions about this project as a church that we're on, come and talk to me. Um, I, I'm approachable. Let's go grab some coffee. Don't be scared. Don't run. Let's work on it together. I'm going to encourage you to come to one of our town hall meetings. You get, see the announcement in your bulletin. We have one tonight. Um, it's part of our chili cook-off. As soon as that's over, we're going to have one of our town halls in here. We're going to have one on Wednesday night if you can't make it tonight. We're going to have one next Sunday. I want everybody that's a part of this church to come so that we can talk through some of the details. You'll find out more about what we're doing. You'll have a chance to ask some questions. But we shouldn't run from what we might be afraid of. Many years ago, the U.S. government put out a manual for those that were joining the Peace Corps. It was, this one specifically was for those that were going to the Amazon jungle. If you were going to the Amazon jungle with the Peace Corps, you got a manual from the U.S. government, and one of the pages taught you how to react to an anaconda snake. Now, an anaconda snake is one of the largest snakes in the world, and it can grow up to be 30 feet long, and it can eat an animal that weighs up to 300 or 400 pounds. So we'd be a little snack for them. But here were the steps that were given if you were attacked by an anaconda. It says, step number one, don't run. The snake is faster than you are. Okay, good information to have. That's good, good to know. Step two, lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight against your side, your legs together. And step three, it says, tuck your chin in. It's getting you ready for the snake to come along, right? The snake will come and begin to poke and nudge against your body. Step number five. I know, right? Step five, don't panic. Don't say ooh, right? Okay. Step number six, the snake has exam- when the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from your feet in. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Again, do not panic. Step seven, the snake will begin to swallow your whole body. Lay perfectly still. This will take a long time. It's good information to know that it's going to take a while to be patient. Number eight, here's the important one, okay? When the snake has reached your knees, very slowly reach down and grab your knife and slide it into the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your legs. Then suddenly rip upwards, severing its head. Step number nine, be sure to have your knife. (laughs) Every time I read that, I'm thinking, shouldn't that be like higher in the list of things to make sure that that happens? Guys, I know, I know in my own life, there is a time to panic. There is a time where fear can drive you to do something that you need to do, and a little bit of that can go a long way. And so I understand this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, it says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but a simple man keeps going and suffers for it. People have asked me over the last eight years since we've owned this property, but more in the last few months, are you nervous or scared about this project? Absolutely I am. Yes. Why, why wouldn't we be a little bit nervous or scared about this? I don't want to be fake in front of you, and I don't want you to just get the feeling that, that there's, there's no apprehensions with it. But I also want you to know I'm extremely confident in what God has led us to that he has been a part of this process the whole way. 
and I'm confident in where we're at and where we're headed as a church. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, this is how I understand this as well. It teaches us, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays a foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. This is exactly why we're doing this campaign called Beyond Us. It's to pull together as a church and to say, what does this mean for us and what can we do? And what's the next step for us? So one of our fears is this. What if we can't raise the money? What if we can't raise the money as a church? Well, then we'll keep at it. We'll keep at it. We have set ourselves up in a good situation that we're not in over our heads as a church, but yet we have set a challenge out in front of us. And I love being in this position. It might take us a little longer if we can't do it all in this campaign, but it'll be worth it, and we'll keep moving ahead. There is no date set yet for the groundbreaking. We haven't broke ground. We haven't started the building. We'll wait until we know what's responsible of us before we step out and do that. But I know, I, I trust in this, that I would, rather, I would rather try something great for God and fail at it than to try nothing at all and succeed at that. So we're going for it. And we're trusting that God is leading us in that. Here's another fear that I've heard. What about an uncertain future? Well, if you watch the news at all, no matter which channel you watch, you wouldn't even left your house this morning. So um, there is fear in our future as a world. I also know there's fear in your own world, in your own life of your future and what will be there. There's fear in that um, as a church as well. Uncertainty about our future and what that holds is important for us to understand. But God does not tell us to give to a, project like, to a project like this only once we have all of our life savings planned out and saved up for it. Now, I get it. There is wisdom in planning. There is wisdom in saving. But there's also wisdom in being generous with what God has given you. And even though we don't know what our future holds for any of us, we know that God has taught us to be generous and to trust that he is part of our future, that only God knows our future, and that is why we are following his leading. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. We are trusting in God. It was Corey Tinboom that once said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Here's another fear that, that I've heard about, and it comes usually in, in this phrase, but um, we'll unpack it a little bit. I've been asked this, what if we get too big? Are we going to get too big as a church? Now, to me, I, I never take this question or this fear as just a size and numbers, because sometimes it comes back at, what if we don't know everybody that comes to church? <laughs> We're already there. Um, you already don't know everybody that comes to this church, so I unpack that just a little bit and think the question is, will we change as a church? Will our personality change? Will we become too showy? Will we become too big church? Well, here's how I think about this, and it's true of all of us in our life. No matter where you are, there you are, right? Wherever you go, you go with you. You have to take yourself with you. 
And I believe that as a church as well. When we relocate as a church, we will go with us. And who we are will be who we are. And our personality will come out in that. And the reason that people love coming to this church will be the same reason people love coming to this church, no matter where we're at. We have become a church, and I love this about Crestview, we have become a church that welcomes people that really don't like going to church. We we accept people without condemnation, without judgment. I love being that place where people can come and say, if this is what church is like, then I want to be a part of this. Maybe, maybe they've been hurt by the church in the past. They've been um, gone through a bad time with the church, and they've walked away from God because of what the church has done. And I want people to come back to God because of who we are and lead them back into that. I think another thing that we can be afraid of is criticism by the world. Another fear that we can have is the world can criticize us. Why would we spend $4 million on a new building when there are people all around the world that are starving. Wouldn't it be better to send money to the starving children? Let's do a fundraiser and send money to them. Well, I have to, I have to tell you, we do. And it's increasing. And it's getting more all the time. Our missions giving is increasing, not decreasing as we grow as a church. In 2002, our missions giving was just over $11,000. For that year, we gave away $11,000. Now, I want, I want to add some of this up. In the last eight years, since we purchased the property and our church has continued to grow while we're here, so from 2010 to 2018, we have now given over $555,000 to organizations around the world to help them grow. Over half a million dollars that we have given to Christian organizations, some locally, some around the world. Because we believe in generosity. We believe that God blesses those who bless others. And we want to be an example as a church for you of that generosity. But we also know this, that we're not just here to feed people physical food. Our goal is spiritually. Our mission is evangelism. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I agree, we are going to continue to feed people physically. But I also know that if we feed people food, they're still going to die. But if we feed people the bread of life, they will live forever. So we're not building a building as a monument to somebody's ego or something just to look at. We're building something that can lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus. So they can come and to discover who he is and what he's done for them. So people can develop in their faith and grow so that they can in turn take that back out to a world that needs to hear. All right, let me go to this, this last principle that I think we can learn. And it's this, that we need to trust God's power and not our own resources. A principle we can learn from the Israelites. They had already forgotten God's power They had forgotten that he had performed many miracles in front of them for them to get them to this point. The 10 plagues that allowed um, Pharaoh to let them go. The parting of the Red Sea to save them from Pharaoh's army. The water from a rock. Manna that would appear on the ground as they were traveling. Fire by night, a cloud by day to guide them. The 10 commandments to help guide them as they lived their lives. And now they feel like grasshoppers compared to their enemies. And they don't trust that God will see them through. So God and Moses have this conversation. 
And God comes to Moses and he says, how long are these people going to treat me with contempt? How long are they going to refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs that I have performed among them? So God does this through Moses. He orders them to turn around and go back into the wilderness and spend the next 40 years wandering around. And only those that are 20 years and younger, so a whole generation is going to die off, only those 20 years and younger, and Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that brought back the good news, only they would be able to enter into the promised land. So when Moses told the people this, they repented, and they said, oh, we're so sorry, yes, okay, now we'll trust God, now we'll do it, but it was too late. And if you see this in chapter 14 um, of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 41, this is Moses coming back to them and saying, sorry, guys, you already said no to God. It's, it's too late for this. Don't even try it. If you try and take the land now, you will not succeed. Verse 43, because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they tried it anyway. They pushed ahead. They were going to show that we could do it without God, and they tried it, and it didn't succeed. It says that they were defeated all the way back to a town called Horma, which shows that they were further than where they actually were. They had to go in the Lord's power and God's timing, or it wouldn't work. And we feel here at Crestview that it's our time to move forward to raise the resources needed to keep following God in this project. So I'm going to ask you to come around us, to be a part of this with us, not just in your resources, but in prayer. So a town hall meeting, you might think it's just a question and answer time. No, tonight, Wednesday, Sunday, next week, um, we're going to have some times of prayer at this. We're going to give you some things to remind you, things that you can take with you, some magnets and some other prayer reminders that you can have that will remind you over the next few weeks to be praying we're going to have a prayer vigil, 24 hours coming up. You're going to see more about that um, to come. Where We're going to, here at this church, for 24 hours straight, we're going to be praying. There's going to be a time where you can sign up and be a part of that with us. Hopefully you're getting the emails. We've already started um, some prayer guides. And if you're, if you're not getting the emails, let us know so that you can start receiving these and be praying every day um, together as a group for where God is leading us. I believe he's brought us this far. I believe he's directed us to a prime piece of property. I know we've grown in this building, in this location. I trust that we have a solid staff and a great volunteer leadership team. And we're growing in our leadership. We're very close to reestablishing elders here at Crestview by title. We have some guys that have already stepped up in this role and been leading in this way, but just don't have the title yet. The eldership issue at Crestview has been a long and frustrating one, but yet I can honestly say it has been a rewarding process, and God is blessing us in our efforts. The leadership team and the staff, they have been amazing in the last couple years, and they have provided God-honoring biblical leadership during this time period. They have filled a gap, and God has blessed this church through their faithfulness and commitment. We know it's not a permanent solution, but we're making great efforts in this area. And we're being careful not to rush into filling a role just to fill a role. It's a very relational position, and it has taken us some time to get back to where we are. But we need you. 
And we need all of us to continue to trust that God will provide the resources, not only in leadership, but financially as well, to keep moving ahead. And I don't think it's going to come through the lottery, but um, if it's you, um, come talk to me after Tuesday, all right? <laughs> we'll, we'll make something happen with that. Actually, I have some friends in the town that I grew up in, little town not too far from here, that have said to me, they've heard about our project and what we're doing, and they said, man, you must have some really big givers in your church. And it was awesome to be able to respond and say, you know, we really don't. <laughs> not really. I said, what we have is a lot of people who are willing to sacrifice and give generously, and together God has blessed that and brought us to where we are. Now, April and I, we have made a decision about what we're going to give to this project. Um, I'm going to share that with you in a couple weeks, so please keep coming back. Um, I'll share that with you and what we're doing in a few weeks. But we're making, we're making the biggest commitment we've ever made to a church. I'm so excited for it. I don't know how we're going to do it, honestly. It's more than what I can understand us being able to do, but I'm excited for the challenge to partner with God and all of you. I'm going to say it this way. Please don't, please don't give until November 11th. That's our commitment Sunday. Between now and then, be praying about how God is leading you and where you're going with this. But before I close, let's jump back to the Israelites. Let's close with them. What happened? What happened with them? After 40 years, they walked around the desert for 40 years, and they made their way back to the land that God had promised to them. So here they are. They're standing on one side of the Jordan River. The land that God has promised them is right in front of them. And they learned the lesson. They found out, all right, we didn't listen to God the last time. We better listen to him this time and follow his lead, right? So God, what do you want us to do? So God said to the Israelites, okay, here's the battle plan. I want you to see, go to this city over here. It was a city. The name of it was Jericho. Some of you know this story already. The, go to this town called Jericho, and here's how I want you to conquer this town. I want you to march around it seven times. I'm thinking, are you serious? This is what our game plan is to conquer the city, is to march around it seven? And so on the seventh time, blow your trumpets. Now, wait a minute. I've been a, you know, a warrior for years. This doesn't sound like any way to take over a city. But we learned our lesson. We didn't follow God the last time he brought us here. So they followed God this time, and they marched around the city. And on the seventh time, they blowed their trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down, and they took the city, and they followed that into the land that God had promised to them. Guys, I want us to do something great with God. I, I want you to experience a miracle in your lifetime, and I want you to be a part of a group of people that walks forward, that trust God, and that can do that. I want the people of this community, I want Manhattan to look at us someday and say, how did they do that? I know some people that go to church there. There's no way that group of people could have done that. I want the only answer to be God. The only way that we can make this happen is him, and I want that to be the only answer. And I want our vision to be God so that others can see what we're looking at. Because where there's no vision, people perish. But where there is vision, people find life. And we want to offer that eternal life to more and more people. 
Now, you in your own personal life, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what city you're marching around. Maybe, maybe you've been marching around some walls that have been built up in your life, and you're praying and you're hoping that God's going to tear these walls down for you someday. You, maybe you, if you've thought that they would have fallen already, but you're still marching. I want you to trust that God, he hasn't failed you to keep trusting, to keep marching, and to follow his lead. If you would, let's stand together. Let's sing about that, and let's be reminded of what he's done for us.